0: Did you recognize the theme woven through today's readings? Each of them used the word hope. Jeremiah said, Cursed is the one who trusts in human beings, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. And the psalm repeats that. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. Then Paul tells the foolish Corinthians, who say there is no resurrection from the dead, for us or for Jesus, that they have put their hope in this life not in the next life of heaven, making them the most pitiable people of all. So what does this word hope mean? I think it's very misused in our language. I might say, I hope the Broncos have a better season with their new quarterback. Or it's a powder day and I hope Deacon Chuck doesn't preach 20 minutes, we wanna go skiing. And those examples are really wishful thinking. The wishing is not one of the theological virtues, it's hope. So every Sunday in the creed we say, I believe, I believe, I believe. These are all statements of faith. Believing what God has done and what he can do. So what is the difference between faith and hope? Simply put, faith is believing with my intellect. That God can provide all that I need. But hope is trusting with my heart that he will provide all that I need if I let him. So with that in mind, in today's gospel, we hear the Sermon on the Plain. And in comparison to what St. Matthew describes in his gospel as the Sermon on the Mount, where in that gospel, Jesus said, using the third person, blessed are the poor in spirit, the meek, they who mourn, Luke's Gospel has Jesus coming down to level ground and addressing the crowd very differently. Here he raised his eyes toward his disciples, looked them in the eye, and used the second person. Blessed are you who are poor, you who are now hungry, you who are now weeping. So this was not an intellectual sermon about scripture or Jewish tradition, but a message from his heart to the hearts of his followers to your heart and to my heart. He was saying, rejoice and leap for joy. The time has come to stop seeing with the eyes of the world, but look beyond today's troubles to the glories that God has for you in heaven. Don't do what Adam and Eve did in turning away from God's plan to take care of them, letting the devil seduce them into putting their hope in their own dreams by breaking the only rule he gave them. That was the beginning of poverty and of hunger and of sadness and hatred in the world. So Jesus was saying, put your trust in me, for I've come to redeem you of that. I'm going to turn around all that stuff and transform your poverty and your hunger and your sadness and your fears into a new life in the kingdom of God. But if you hang on to what you think you've already achieved by yourselves, do not put your trust in what I bring, then you're going to lose it all in the next life. Now, I'm not so sure how, how I would have reacted to that message if I was just hearing Jesus for the first time, if I was just coming to see him do some miracles or hope he would do a miracle for me. Blessed are you if you're poor or hungry or weeping or hated. Rejoice in that. But woe to you if you're already rich and filled and laughing and respected by others. You're going to lose all that? What does he mean? Am I supposed to avoid happiness now? Reject the good things that I've worked for all my life? To avoid poverty and hunger and sadness for my family? Throw it all away and have nothing? No, not at all. The good things we have and we have gained by our own works are gifts from God. But we need to recognize them as gifts and don't cling to them but respond generously to the opportunities we have to share those gifts. But perhaps the more I already have, the less I am open to trusting in God's plan for me. Because my plan seems pretty good right now. Perhaps my material wealth, my health, my comfort are a distraction to a closer walk with God. And what if my material wealth and health and comfort has become my God? Jesus says, if you don't acknowledge your own needs, I can never get through to you. If you believe you're self-sufficient, I can never penetrate the defenses of your heart. So the key is not what I can do, but what I allow him to do in my life. Now this celebration of Jesus' death and resurrection, this mass, is where we can let go all of our pride, all of our self-sufficiency, and acknowledge our spiritual poverty, the hunger in our heart to have a closer relationship with Jesus, our sadness in failing to follow him, and our fear in proclaiming the gospel to a society that persecutes and calls us hateful for standing up for the truth. Now, Jesus never gives up on us, even if we give up on him and go back to trusting in what we can do ourselves. That's why he says today, here in this place, Take this, all of you, and eat it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. Let me enter fully and physically and intimately into your life so that you can place all your trust in me, and I will lead you to the glory of heaven. So true and eternal happiness is ours to receive, but not to take. There's only one source. Can I look into Jesus' eyes in the image of divine mercy? and say, Jesus, I trust in you. Can I look at the crucifix and understand that that is the way to true happiness. That's the way Jesus reversed the sin of Adam and Eve and invited me personally to join in whatever suffering I must endure, join in his suffering and his resurrection because that's the only gateway to heaven. So do I believe in the resurrection? and put all my trust in that? Or do I, like the people of Corinth, deny that and put all my hope only in this life and then pitifully miss out on the greatest gift of all?